Welcome to the first ever Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. What? This is the first one? First one ever. Oh my God. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today I am joined by Mildred Lewis, who is the creator of Agents of the Realm. It's an amazing webcomic. Thank you. And um, um, we did do a review of it earlier on the blog, but if you could give us like a quick Cliff Notes version of the story. So Agents of the Realm follows five young women, and they get into college and find out that they're magical girls. Um, and there's also the great twist that their teacher's evil, and she also has a twin sister in an alternate dimension. And there's also this um, very rich lore that comes along with it that kind of sets up how these agents or magical warriors came into being in the first place. Is there a particular reason why you went right to the webcomic form? Yeah, it's because it's just so accessible. I think when people think about getting into comics, they automatically think of pitching to like Marvel or DC. And the reality is that if you want to make a comic, it's pretty easy. You can just set up like a Tumblr or anything and just get it online like right away. Webcomics is such a great format because it just makes it so much easier for people to take narratives into their own hands. Like you don't have to worry about or think about someone else making it for you. You have the opportunity to make it yourself if you want to. Right, right. And I would imagine too, right, if you're self-publishing like that, yeah, you get to do what you want. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, like you don't have to worry about like making sure that the story that you're making adheres to this company's image. Like if you want to, for example, make it super queer, you can go ahead and. <laughs> like there's no one who's gonna stop you. I went to college for animation. Tried getting into the animation industry for a while, then tried to get into the video game industry for a while. I've like spent a lot of time before agents trying to get comics going, and I never made it past page eight <laughs> in any of them. But this one just kind of happened because I was getting super cranky about Sailor Moon Crystal airing. So when you were saying you were getting cranky, um, Sailor Moon Crystal was the remake of the original series. So yes. what about it in particular? They kept lying about when it was coming out. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I shouldn't say they were lying. They just kept pushing the date back and it was getting very frustrating. <laughs> um, I just kind of like sat down one day and I'm like, why am I waiting for them to like remake this show? Why don't I just make my own comic? There's a lot of us out there okay. who really hardcore Sailor Moon fans, yeah. right? And um, especially for a certain sort of generation of girls, yeah. it was an introduction um, for a lot of us to not only anime, but this magical girl genre where women are, you know, out there doing it for themselves. Um, yeah. and, and more traditional Japanese anime, though, when I say women, it's really often teenage girls. Yeah. But yeah. your story is actually really different from a <laughs> traditional magical girl story. And I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about um, sort of why you made the decisions that you did and um, sort of what direction you're moving in. I guess when I was like coming up with it, um, there was like a bit of time when I was like, okay, what do I actually like about the genre? And that's the focus on female empowerment, strong connections between young women, our ability to actually just be the heroes to our own story. So I was like, those are definitely the things that I want to keep. Because um, I think those are still incredibly important, regardless of what anyone's saying. Like, those are things that we still need today. But like, when it comes to the things that I wanted to change, kind of felt uncomfortable about how young they always are. <laughs> like, it's a little... I how mean, old was she in the... How old was Sailor Moon in the beginning? 13. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's 13. Which, I mean, yeah, like, we need stories about younger kids, like, saving the world and all these things. But 
the kind of heaviness that comes with magical girl stories right, is right. very intense for a 13 Sailor Moon almost dies a couple of times. Yeah. And there's serious injuries as well. Yeah. I just feel like you should just be worrying about, like, I don't know, getting your homework done. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, just getting through puberty, because, like, that is a very intense process in and of itself. So I chose to, like, go with college-aged because they're older, Um, And I feel like when you get into college, there's also a very intense shift that happens in how you think, too. So, like, when you're 13, it's very easy to go along with whatever people are telling you. Because I'm like, if I were 13 and someone came to me and they were like, you're a magical girl, you have to save the world, I would be on board immediately. (laughs) I'm like, what? Yes. I'd probably be hiding, like, under a table. Like, you've got the wrong girl. No. I would, like, 100% be that one who's like, yeah, let's do this. (laughs) Um, Something I think is pretty important and cool that I wish happened a lot more when it came to these kinds of stories and, like, the chosen one kind of stories is, like, not just the hero kind of pushing against this fate, but also just taking the time to understand where they could actually fall in line with this fate, too. Mm -hmm. Because it's always, like, either they're super on board or they just absolutely hate it. Um, But I feel like there's a really cool, interesting middle ground that I think that people, when they're in college, tend to fall into, where it's like, I have these new opportunities, and I know where it's going to take me. These opportunities terrify me, but, like, maybe I should take a shot and, like, figure out things as they go. And if something doesn't mesh well with me, then I'll say no. But if it does, then I'll keep going with it. So that was, like, definitely something that I... I really like and appreciate about that age range that I wish was a lot more prevalent in stories. Some other changes that you made and, you know, I definitely want to talk about is, so in a traditional magical girl, you know, anime, um, like Sailor Moon is blonde yeah. and all of the girls kind of have the same faces, but just different hair and different <laughs> yeah. heights. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about like sort of, you know, your more diverse cast of characters? I mean, me being a black woman like I never saw women who looked like me in that kind of context ever Mm -hmm. um so I just kind of went into this and I'm like I could easily stick with these more expected body types and ethnicities and depictions of these ethnicities or I could actually try and actually change the narrative and make it more of like what I would have appreciated to see when I was younger. This is to sound like a really funny detail but you draw arm hair on one of your characters. Yeah yeah that's amazing. I've never seen that before, but I know a lot of women who are really like self-conscious about yeah. that. And like it's and it's just there and like no attention is brought to it, but they look like real girls. Yeah. I didn't even think of it as a big deal until people started pointing it out and I was like, "Oh, I guess I don't really ever see that." So like it wasn't a conscious decision, you just sort of Yeah, I kind of like <laughs> went with them like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool." And like Paige, she's the girl who has the arm hair that I oftentimes draw and it's like She's also one of the more femme characters, and to me, I was just more like, that's really, that's just like a really nice contrast, because you, like, when people think of, like, hair and hairiness, they automatically make it ultra-masculine, and I'm like, nah, you can be, like, you can have, like, harm hair and also be super girly, why not? That's, that's right. Not, yeah, there I'm you like, go. <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> I do love her design, too, because I just, I'm very excited that you have different body types. Yay! It's great. (laughs) What else did you consciously change? Like, a big priority for me when I was tackling this, too, is trying to, like, not appropriate any part of Japanese culture that I may have, like, internally ingested when I was getting into Magical Girls when I was younger. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I was, like, kind of trying to, like, Americanize it 
uh-huh. in a way. So it's like a lot of the attitudes for things are obviously a little bit different. Like their attitude towards school and college is a lot different than how you would have seen it in like Sailor Moon, mm-hmm. um, either in the show or in the manga. I feel like a lot of times in the magical girl genre, like for example, like the the leader is usually super bubbly and friendly, and that's because there's just like an appreciation for that when it comes to a leader role. And I ended up changing that, obviously, in agents. Yeah, um, let's talk about Nora. She kind of is like the de facto leader. She's also the first character that we're introduced yeah. to. She's really different from what you would think of as like the main character in these kinds of stories. Yeah. So um, tell us about Nora and your inspiration for her. Nora is like in part a self-insert character. A lot of the ways I kind of self-inserted with her was just taking a lot of the things about me that are oftentimes seen as either flaws or things that you wouldn't naturally see in a character in this kind of context, let alone mm-hmm. a leadership role, and just, like, giving them to her and kind of showing how you don't have to be, like, a sp- specific kind of, like, cookie-cutter form mm-hmm. to be a leader. There are still things that you can bring to the table that you may not actually expect in situations. She's kind of like my experiment, and it's been interesting also seeing people respond to her because she is not exactly the most lovable, cuddly character. <laughs> um, so I was really expecting people to not like her because, again, like when you're thinking of magical girl stories, like first thing you think of is Usagi. So she's super lovable, super right. friendly, super affectionate. She is like totally open emotionally. So I totally expected people to like meet Nora and being like, who is this? Right, like Nora's new roommate comes in crying and yeah. Nora's just like, <laughs> what is wrong with no, you? No, <laughs> I'm not going to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> no. But I, I think that's what makes her relatable. Yeah. Right? Because I would always imagine that being Sailor Moon, once again, must be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, Usagi, bless her soul, but I'm like, I don't know, where you pull this energy from to constantly, like, be optimistic and, like, happy and bubbly, even through, like, the darkest things that are going on. Right, like, when your life is in danger. Yeah. When the whole fate of the world is on your shoulders. Exactly. Sure, yeah. Super easy to be peppy during those times. I'm like, I have no idea how you do it. So then if um, Nora is kind of, like, a uh, self-influenced character, are any of your other characters sort of based on real people? Do you get inspiration from uh, your friends and family and people around you? There's definitely a lot of influence that, like, my close friends have on all the characters it's it'll be I guess it's been like entertaining to me having Nora be the self-insert character and then also have Adele who's like the character who's very intensely influenced by like my best friend having them in this context and seeing and thinking about the ways we interact with each other so it's like right now Nora and Adele don't seem like they care for much for each other but the evolution I'm actually pretty excited for you all to see how like their relationship develops and like how they end up actually getting closer and the way that they're differing personalities traits of like Adele being way more outgoing and like way more open and mm-hmm. Nora's anti-social behaviors end up eventually meshing well together. Right, right. Um, would you say that the story is pretty much planned out by this point? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's all planned out. So do you know like how much longer do you think until it's done? I mean, do you have an idea? I, uh, it's, 
<laughs> I mean, the plan right now is for it to cover all four years of college. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's that's one of those things that I, I'm, like, extra excited over and showing, like, your differing personality from, like, freshman year to senior year. Yeah. And how you're, like, still kind of the same person, but you've also grown up a lot and grown into yourself. And right. And I'm, like, so looking forward to that with the girls. Well, then, too, there's that whole, and I'm totally jumping ahead, but when <laughs> you graduate from college, too, yeah. right? When the, will, when the real world starts to loom over you. Yeah. That's another really interesting influence. Yeah. Like, that was part of the reason why I also picked college years Mm -hmm. um, because it kind of is like this new period for like coming of age right where you have to figure out what you actually want to do with the rest of your life right right like what's your day job gonna be yeah (laughs) or like what am I gonna major is this major gonna make me money like there's so much responsibility and I don't want to say like emotional burdens that come with it but it's just like a very heavy heavy time period well something tells me that being an agent also doesn't pay the bills yeah exactly (laughs) like all the magical goodies come for free but it's not like there's any hazard pay involved yeah it's like they're like midnighting gig that they don't get money for (laughs) like I get I have to save the world but no one's cutting my check for this (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your work process? Uh, it's a little haphazard. <laughs> it's a lot better than it used to be because I've obviously passed page eight. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it just started with like coming up with like a basic summary for what I wanted the story to be about and then come developing an outline for like the entire thing. Um, so I had like basic story beats, which are essentially like the major events that happen mm-hmm. um, that move the story along. And then from there, I basically flesh out the spaces in between. And then I just sketch and finish. <laughs> um, I noticed that, so in the back of volume one, you have mm-hmm. a sketchbook. Yeah. And there's little pictures of like emojis yeah. and characters making those faces. Yeah. Is that a- well, that was actually like a Tumblr meme. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really fun doing that. I, mean, I think it's always really good for people to do that, like figuring out how your characters emote. Because it's very easy to get stuck into this idea that, like, everyone has the same exact kind of facial expressions, but it's, like, one character's frowny face is not going to be the same as another mm-hmm. one's, and that, um, like, boils down to just, like, the kind of people they're supposed to be, too. Right. I mean, the range of the emotions and the, the facial expressions that you get on the characters, I think, is one of my favorite parts. So what's the fan uh, response been like? It's been really great. Like, I, I went into this not really sure what to expect. At the time of me starting it, Magical Girls were, like, kind of in this weird limbo spot where it was, like, they were starting to come back Mm -hmm. um, because of all the talk about Sailor Moon Crystal, but it seemed like most of the attention was coming from, like, lifelong fans of Magical Girl stories. So it's, like, the people who, like, grew up on it, we were the ones who were, like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. eyes on it. But, like, everyone else outside of it, like, outside of the people who grew up with it, didn't quite seem as interested or affected. So I was like, hopefully I'll get some people who grew up with Sailor Moon like me who will mm-hmm. be interested in it. And that was like basically my baseline of expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually been really overwhelming, especially when I go to like conventions and meeting people who, who read it. I've had like a few very intensely emotional experiences, um, both with like people, other people on the other side of the table crying or like on the Aww. verge of tears and me being like, I need to walk away right now because I don't want anyone to see me cry. <laughs> Are there any specific stories you'd want to tell us? Um, like I've, I've had like a lot of readers come up to me, um, oftentimes like women of color, especially like black women. And they're like, 
first of all, thank you for putting someone who looks like me in this kind of story. And then secondly, thank you for putting someone who looks like me and is also queer in this kind of story. Uh So I was like, instantly, like, my eyes just, like, started welling up. And I'm like, I have to look away. (laughs) I can't handle this right now. Uh, What about younger girls? Has there been a particular response with sort of the younger set, you know, sort of experiencing this kind of story for the first time? Younger to me is like 17 and 18. (laughs) So I'm like, whenever someone is like, I just started college and I started reading your comic, I'm like, oh. But that's really timely. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it makes me super excited when like I meet people who are like just getting into college or like are in their first or second year of college and they're like I love your comic it's so on point (laughs) (laughs) like I love that and love knowing that there are people who are going through this time period and that they can also take kind of solace in knowing that these other characters and these stories are going through the same hell that they are (laughs) Um, if like someone else had made this when I was in college I've been like Tell me what I should prepare for. <laughs> so it's, it's like, it's really cool. There'd be response. so many emails like, please tell me what I should be doing with my life. Yeah. Like, there's just some really great parts, like um, when Nora's sort of getting talked to by, I forgot the name of the girl with the bartender Lila. at the party. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had someone there to be like, I'm just going to tell you how this is going to go. And you got to relax. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was such a, like an interesting scene to do because I'm like, all right, I have definitely been Nora in this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely, it really, like, when I was reading it, I was like, that resonates. Yeah. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, what would have been really nice for me to hear back then? All right, it looks like I'm going to be talking to 19-year-old me. (laughs) So that's, like, that that whole process and, like, all those little moments when there are other older people kind of guiding the girls along and, like, having those dialogues. I'm like, this is me talking to past me. (laughs) (laughs) You are um, the author, the artist, the publisher, your own, like, sort of one-woman sales team, like, going out and advertising, and how do you do that all on your own? I do have, like, an online publisher that takes care of, like, the ads, so I don't have to worry about that, but, like, everything else, it's, like, setting up a very good schedule for me every day, basically. It was definitely harder at first. Um, Because when I first started this, I was, like, working a full-time job. So I was, like, doing that, like, 9 to 5, five days a week, plus on top of, like, getting two pages done. There was, like, a brief while when I was doing three pages a week. That lasted, like, a few months, and I was like, this is not going to (laughs) keep up. No way. That's, I'm good without that. I think there's, like, this huge tendency, especially when it comes to, like, self-publishing, where people work themselves to the bone. I think it's just because so many people think that, like, you have to get things done all at once. And it's really more about, like, pacing yourself and, like, thinking about your long-term goals and what you want to do and making Mm -hmm. sure you can last that long. I set time aside to do, like, one thing and then, like, set time time to do another thing and just, like, keep up my slow and steady pace and make sure I don't burn out. So then if someone who's listening to this podcast, like, has dreams and aspirations of having their own online comic, like, what's the one piece of advice you'd want them to have? Oh, gee, just outline it. Whatever you can do to even just, like, get cues so that it's a lot easier for you when you're going to draw it and actually make it, just do it. But you'll thank yourself, even if you think it's, like, oh, I can skip, like, the outline. It's, like, that outline is going to help you when you're, like, two chapters down the line and you have to remember what's supposed to be coming next. Right, right. And, like, it'll also make it easier for you because something that I've been experiencing as I do this is that things change. Because, like, you'll get a lot more familiar with the characters and you'll get a better understanding of how they'll actually react to situations. 
Um, just because when you're first making things or developing a story, I feel like so much of it is like, what'll be something that'll like leave everyone at the edge of their seats and like leave everyone feeling overwhelmed and intense and like wanting to cry. And sometimes they, the characters may not actually want to do that. There's a scene at the end of chapter four um, when the girls, all five of the girls finally come back together. And originally that was actually supposed to be a fight scene, but I ended up changing it because I realized that the characters didn't really want to do that anymore, which sounds kind of weird. I just kind of got to that chapter and I was like, it doesn't feel right that they would want to fight. I feel it's more like they would actually want to try and talk through it. Well, that's really common in the genre, right? That sort of like frenemy storyline. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about how like you obviously decided not to do that? Yeah, I think I got like a much better handle of the characters by that point. And I realized that they weren't I don't want to say that they're not petty, because they definitely are petty. <laughs> and they'll have those moments when it will be very obvious how petty they are. But I think it's also that they were tired by that moment. Uh-huh. And they, like, why would you want to go into, like, another fight if you don't need to? Like, sometimes, sometimes it's smart to just sit down and talk. And, like, that is just so much of, like, how the girls are going to be handling their relationship in the long run. Like... They'll have their squabbles, they'll have those moments when they get mad at each other or they don't want to talk to each other, but at the end of the day, it always comes down to a conversation, Mm -hmm. Um, just because, like, there's so many, there's so many things, so many conflicts and stories that don't need to have fights. It's like, if you just sit down and talk, everything will be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, once again, a really sort of grown-up way, right? Like, showing that the girls are, well, they're young women. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know we talked about sort of, like, your influences for, like, the magical girl stuff, but I would love to just sort of talk about, like, other influences or, like, sort of your favorite things that you would recommend that other people check out. Oh, man, I am a big believer in pulling influences for your story wherever you can get it. Um, another huge influence is Gargoyles, the animated series from when I was younger. Now, why that one in particular? Because um, I really just love and admire how it didn't sugarcoat or, like, hold the viewer's hand in handling anything. Anything else that, like, is an absolutely must? Cowboy Bebop. Well, that'll be, like... Oh, Cowboy Bebop? You mean the greatest anime series yeah. ever made? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's not perfect. There are some references, time period, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in terms of, like, a full story arc and those complicated relationships. Man, I freaking love it. I love it so much. It's so good. Seriously, I always tell people, like, it's the perfect gateway anime. It is. We've already sort of established that you're really busy. Like, you know, with the comic and um, sort of your everyday life. Uh, what's sort of like your self-care? Like, what do you do for yourself? Um, I make sure I set aside time for myself at the end of the day, always. I got not good at it for a very long time and got into that rut and very constant schedule that I know a lot of people are doing where it's like you wake up, you start working, and then you work until you're too tired to work anymore and you pass out. Um, so now I've started like really integrating two, three hours at the end of my day where I'm not doing any work. And I'll either be reading or looking at Pinterest. (laughs) Um, I was actually starting to look more into reading poetry. Any particular reason why you're interested in poetry? Basically, I want to make a coffee table erotica book (laughs) that is full of illustrations um, depicting intimacy and accompanied by like poetry or like short stories. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
there needs to be more diversity in this realm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, in the realm of, like, erotica, you still run into those issues where it's, like, the characters or, like, the people depicted who are taken more seriously usually exist in, like, one shape or form. And then anyone who branches out of that is usually fetishized very intensely and heavily. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm, like, starting this project as, like, a way to kind of break that and to, like, depict a variety of bodies as both normal, quote-unquote, which they are, obviously, but also something to want and to be wanted and to feel wanted within those bodies. Wow. (laughs) So this is, again, like me just wanting to take initiative with the access that I have to my resources and Mm -hmm. like filling a gap that I feel like shouldn't actually exist in the first place. Uh And what else are you working on next? Because there's a couple things listed on your website. Yes, I have a queer high fantasy graphic novel that I'm working on that is also an erotic comic. (laughs) (laughs) It's about these two characters, Nadia and Serene. Um, One's a half human, half vampire character, and the other is an elf. And they are basically petty mercenaries is that they like do a lot of petty crimes for people and by petty crimes I mean like people looking to do petty things to people who have screwed them over oh wow yeah and then I have a sci-fi graphic novel that kind of explores humanity and what happens when humanity is suddenly met with aliens and the kind of intensity that comes from humanity suddenly being catapulted into like technological advancement and like the kind of relationship that we would end up having with all these other alien species. You are going to be at MICE, October 29th and 30th. Yes. Um, And you're going to have a table there? I will have a table there. Meet and greet and selling some books? Oh, yes, I will. I will have books there. And you'll be able to find me because by then I'll have magenta and purple hair. (laughs) And then on Sunday, I'm dressing up as a Pokemon trainer and we'll have a Jigglypuff hat. I'll be stopping by. Yes, please do. Definitely. And thanks again for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. (laughs) It's been fun. wanted to have a special shout out to Canopy City for giving us the space to tape our podcast tonight. You guys can check out their website at canopy.city and they're located in Davis Square, Somerville, Massachusetts. <laughs>